I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. Um, very simple. Um, I would probably tell everyone to always take risk, do the hard work, and make sure that um, you're crazy enough um, to make your dreams, your goals a reality sooner or later. Yeah, so just do the hard work. That's very important. Welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. I am RJ Ledesma. Thanks so much. I hope you're enjoying. On this podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business. What are their success secrets? What are their hacks? How they've innovated their businesses during this pandemic? And of course, what opportunities they are seeing that are emerging during this new normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know and drop me a message. At the same time, we are live on Kumu. So to all the community who are watching me right now, how are you guys? Thanks so much for watching us here on Kumu. And on Kumu, I would just like to give a special shout out to the founder of Kumu, Roland Ross, who is appearing right now as one of the Gen T uh, Gen T on Philippine Tatler. Congratulations, Roland Ross, on that achievement. But more importantly, congratulations to Kumu for being the number one most downloaded app in the country here today. Kumu, that deserves a round of applause for all of you working very hard to bring the Kumu app all over to Filipinos all over the world. And with that, moving on to this next guest. Itong next guest, natin talagang niligawan ko to guest here on the show. And I love the name of the show right now, Milking It to a T, because this is exactly what our guest has done. Now, for those of you listening or watching us here right now, does Macau Imperial Tea ring a bell for you? Macau Imperial Tea. Then if it does, this podcast might particularly interest you. Our next guest is the founder and CEO of the Friendly Group of Companies, which houses Macau Imperial Tea. Mitasu, Yakiniko, Nabe, Japanese Izakaya and Hot Pot, New York Fries, Dips, among many others. He won in 2018 the Injap Outstanding uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Award uh, at the PCCI of the Philippine Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And he is a newly minted 2020 Entrepreneur of the Year at the Asia CEO Awards. And all this at before 30 years old. Makai Vegan, please welcome my very special guest here tonight. Please welcome Mr. Avin Ong. Avin, thanks so much for joining me here on the show. Thank you, RJ, for having me. Thank you. Nice to see you here. Nice to see you, Avin. It's it's truly a pleasure to have you over here. Uh, I'm so inspired by your story. 
I I still remember the first time that I I was introduced to you. Do you recall that one? We were you were I was I was running in out of meetings in yes. the peninsula. Yeah. And and the head of head of leasing of of uh, Ayala Malls right. calls me aside. Mark Sablan says, "RJ, meet this young man of of Macau Imperial Tea." And I said, "Wow, is he a franchisee? No, he is the founder of Macau Imperial Tea, and it, it's a truly incredible story." Thank so, Avin, I know that you you got all your fans over here who who are big fans of, of your tea. Um, and uh, before we start, now this is the one thing I just realized during this <clears throat> pandemic. I didn't realize that that milk tea for many people was considered considered a an essential product. Tell me more right. about that because I think even your business particularly grew even even in this pandemic. Tell me a bit more about what happened to Macau Imperial Tea during the the crisis. Yeah, um, during the crisis, we first closed down all of our branches nationwide. So that was during ECQ. And mm-hmm. then during the ECQ period, we received a lot of people. Uh, we received a lot of feedback from people, from fans who were requesting us to reopen our branches. So that was really overwhelming. And then later on, um, after understanding the situation as well as the constraints, we finally decided to open some of our branches. And their response was really, really overwhelming. Like, um, in fact, our sales um increased by around eight times from before COVID. Yeah. By, from, by eight times, yeah. So before you COVID, pre-pandemic to pandemic, right? It, it, yes, 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 eight yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So na feel namin na na miss talaga kami ng mga fans of Macau Imperial Tea. Yeah. So it was really because of the feedback from different customers, from the fans that pushed us to finally open our doors during MECQ. Can you tell me why? Why particularly milky? Why does it have such a strong appeal during this time? Is it because it gives you a sort of like a sense of normalcy? During exactly. this period of time, yeah, exactly. Um, we spoke to a lot of fans. According to them, um, milk tea makes them feel normal during this pandemic. That's one of the reasons. And I think another reason is that um, Filipinos in general they all have a sweet tooth. So, um, pagdating sa matamis, it's something we all wanted to 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 get to have. So that's also one of the reasons. And of course, because of Macau Imperialty, I mean, we've been doing a lot of promotions, campaigns. So naging easy then siya to avail because we're all live in Food Panda and Grab. Fantastic. How many years yeah. old is uh, is Macau Imperialty? Um, three years old. We just we just turned three. Three years old. And, and yeah. before that, uh, how how young are you now? You're you're not you're not, you haven't even hit thirty yet, no? Yeah, yeah. I just I just turned thirty last week. Yeah. Oh, just last week. So if we yeah. interviewed you last week, I could have said you haven't turned 30 just yet. So happy yeah. birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy Thank birthday. you. Thank so you. Yeah. you put up Macau Imperial Tea when you were 26 years old, 26, 27 years right. old. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And currently right now, how many branches do you have of Macau Imperial Tea? We have 178 branches nationwide. 178 in three years? In three years. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. aside from that one, uh, you've got other brands under you. Tell me a bit more. What, what is the Fredly Group of Companies? Okay. So um, Fredly Group of Companies was established by, um, by myself um, way back 2014. We started first with operating Japanese restaurants. So um, under the group, we have, aside from Macau Imperial Tea, we have Nabe Japanese Isakaya Hotpot. So it's a hotpot brand that serves you um, premium meat from Japan, from the United States, and also isakaya concept. So the the um, basically mga tusok tusok, yeah, mga mm. the sticks, yeah. And then um, we also have the mitasu yakiniku. It's a grilling concept. 
So um, same thing, we're also serving you premium meats from the US, from, from Japan. So that one is a grilling concept. So both are Japanese concepts. And then um, 2018, the group acquired 100% of New York fries and dips. And then um, just last year, um, we, we got the master franchise of Liang Crispy Roll from Shanghai. And then just this year, we got the master franchise rights of Mason Kitsuni and Cafe Kitsuni. And the group is also an operator of an international buffet that's supposedly um, opening last March, but, but because of the pandemic, it was postponed to most probably next month or early next year. Yeah. Wow. And how many? So you've got 170 of Macau Imperial Tea. Then how many, do you ha- how many branches do you have of the other restaurants? Oh, we have around 10 branches. Yeah, so that's for company-owned. But we also have the franchises. I mean, the franchise outlets, so around 20 branches. Yeah, so, some are still undergoing construction. So there are 10 uh, owned by you, company-owned, and there are 20 which are right. franchise-owned as well. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is fantastic. We'd really love to learn how you fueled the growth and expansion uh, of Macau Imperial Tea within a three-year time. Uh, and we'll learn about this more during uh, our discussion here right now. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, no, um, and if you guys have questions, those listening here right now, uh, for Avin, please feel free to just drop it in the comments. We would love to answer those questions uh, as we chat him up here right now. But let's let's take a step back right now, Avin. I wanna I always talk about wanting to know the the secret origins of of, um, of my very fantastic entrepreneurs who I bring on this show. But before that, it seems to me that you're you're a you're a very busy guy. In fact, you said that. You came home today early just so you would have a good internet connection, but usually at right. this time at 7 yeah. p.m., you're still working hard in the office. Right. Tell me, what is, a, what, is a, what is a typical day for you like? Or is it, a, is it a atypical day? It's not a usual day. There's no one same day for you. Yeah. Um, I usually start my day. Um, I usually start planning for my day a night before. So I have this to-do list to make sure that I'm productive on a daily basis and to make sure that I um, deliver my commitments to my stakeholders. Um, On a typical day, I basically um, wake up at around 6 a.m. But if I don't have any meetings, morning meetings, most probably I'll wake up later. And then I'll go to the office and then I started working, um, approving, aligning with my managers to make sure that our deliverables are still um, on time, um, the approvals. Yeah, I, I usually work 14 to 16 hours per day. Wow. So you're right. Yeah, you're right. At 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., most probably I should be still in, in the office working. Yeah, because um, that's also the time that I can focus on the paperwork. Because during the day, there are a lot of people going inside the office, asking me, consulting and everything. So, of course, I have to, I have to assist them, support them. So this is actually my time for the paperwork. Yeah, so basically meetings, approvals, and all. Wow, um, I, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you another question related to that one, but this is really yeah. in, in, top of my mind. This okay. business you put up for for Fredly, this is really yours. It wasn't something that you inherited from a family. This is a, an no. idea that was your own. And so, was there any family capital put into this business, or did you have to self finance um, oh. the, the Fredly Group? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we do not have a family business. So Fredly Group of Companies was a, is a company established by myself. And at that time, I invited my sisters to also invest. Yeah. So it's basically um, savings from my previous job. Later on, we'll talk about it more. So it's mm-hmm. basically um, savings from my previous job as well as investments from my sisters. That's how we started the Fredly Group of Companies. Wow. Why Fredly? Oh, Fredly. It's a very interesting story. Um, the name of my dad, 
is Alfred, and the name of my mom is Shirley. So I got the Fred <laughs> and I got the Lee, and then I combined them together to get the word Fred Lee. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, my my dad died when I was still inside my mom's womb. So it's something that I wanted to celebrate. It's something that I wanted people to remember. That's the reason why I I named my company after your, your names. It, it was a foreign sounding company, so I thought it was something that you had bought. Out of it. <laughs> no, so, no, 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 no. You you never got to meet your dad. Uh, you were the you were the youngest, I presume. Right. Yeah, youngest of four. Youngest of four, and are you yeah. the only boy? Yes. Okay, so your older sisters were the ones whom you got to invest in your company. Right. Is that right? Yes, yes, uh, yes. You must have some very good persuasive, persuasive and sales skills uh, to get your older sisters <laughs> to invest in your company. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it was during a family dinner when we finally decided to, to give the restaurant industry a try. Yeah. I see. So had you, had you been doing other industries before the restaurant industry? I mean, or have you, had you worked as a family before in other businesses before working together here in Friendly? Uh, no, um, I I started working as a business area controller of Deutsche Bank. So um, food service industry is something was something new to me. Yeah, wow. I, I actually came from a banking industry. Yeah, interesting background. Worlds apart, you remind me uh, of the guy who said it of Fior Gelato, who's Richie Kuna, who was also he was from the bank. His background was from banking, but okay. his passion was to create ice cream. So he did gelato, okay. and he came up with Fior wow. Gelato, and eventually yeah. Fior Gelato. Uh, Don Buri mix, uh, 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 Kurimi milk tea. Um, these are these are things that he's been doing as well. So getting back again, no, you do fourteen to sixteen hours of of work. Um, yeah. But what keeps you sharp? I mean, uh, do you have time to exercise? Are you? And I hope you don't mind. What is your? Do you have a strong faith life? What What do you do to keep yourself going outside of work? Yeah, I used to go to the gym every day. Used to. So because of the <laughs> pandemic, yeah, because of the pandemic, everyone is kind of scared to go to the gym right now. So um, I stopped working out, unfortunately. Um, but how to stay motivated, I would probably tell you um, when I'm stressed, I listen to the music, to the stress. I read, um, I read my favorite book. And then um, I speak to a few close friends to probably rant, to vent out. Yeah. And then to, to because they keep me grounded. Yeah, so that's basically what I do. Yeah, but keeping you grounded. Uh, let's talk about a bit more about keeping you grounded because you're uh, technically you're you're not you're not a millennial. You're actually almost at thirty years old. You're actually Gen Z, more of Gen Z. I mean that that's how I see things. No, okay. um, it's a bit difficult to. I mean Gen Z slash millennial. I mean given the, the the size and the scale of the company that you developed here right now, um, mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, it must be a balancing act. I mean, of course, you're very proud of the fact that you've gone there, but you know, to to stay grounded and humble, how, how do you manage that also at the same time? Because I mean, admittedly, it's it's you're handling quite a lot, and you know, and yeah. it's it's very I'm very impressed by it. Right? There are people much older than you who have not, never gotten close to your success. How do you sort of handle that? Um, to keep me grounded, I usually look look back. I mean, it's very important to remind myself um, where I came from. Yeah, so that's also the reason why the tagline of Bradley Group of Companies is um, from humble beginnings come great things. Because I think it's very important to remind myself that um, I came from a a simple family. And um, it's very important to keep humble in order to achieve great things. 
yeah so that's also the reasons why i love talking to a few close friends who who have been there since day one of this journey because they will they will always comfort me whenever i'm down whenever i'm stressed at work yeah thanks uh to my boss benjamin gabita my manager we'll get your question in a bit it's actually part of the whole thing uh where did you study high school and college what was your course entrepreneurship okay we're going to get into that it's going to be very interesting okay. this background is very interesting for you at the same time we also have a question from uh angel galvez about uh, advice for aspiring entrepreneurs especially during this pandemic at uh, marami pong baon marami pong baon si 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 uh, okay uh, si Abin, don't worry me and Abin, we've kind of done some pre-talk before this one and we're, we're going to make sure uh to cover uh your concerns Now, before that, Avin, let's take a step back. Like you said, secret origin. I think it was a perfect question to ask you about how you yeah. keep yourself grounded, and we and we go go to your background a bit more, right? And like you were saying, um, your your father passed away before you were born. There was no family business to speak of, and um, you know, oftentimes when when, when I encounter friends with uh, from a Filipino Chinese background, usually, and and it's usually they they come they have a they have a family business, whether it's usually hardware. Or 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 something in that or or, or very low key business and and they do a lot of that one but but that wasn't in the cards for you 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 said you were from a I wouldn't say struggling but it wasn't a, a it wasn't a really privileged uh, Filipino Chinese background right. tell me a bit more how your how your background your, your your where you came from informed what turned you in, into an entrepreneur today okay let's go back, back um, a bit later. Yeah. So, um just like what I shared earlier, um my father died when I was still inside my mom's womb. So, it's actually very challenging for my mom to raise the four of us. I mean, um um we started I start I started actually as an entrepreneur at the age of seven. Yeah, at seven. that time, yeah, seven. Yeah, at Child that labor, time. Yeah, no? <laughs> yeah, part time lang naman. Yeah, so um, to be able to be able to contribute to to the family financially, I decided to be a tutor teacher. I believe um at the at, age of at seven, seven years I, old. Yeah, at seven years old because I I'm so I, I'm I'm very good in Chinese. So um I was I was in grade three or grade two, and then my I was a tutor teacher of a grade one student or a kinder two student if I remember correctly. Yeah, so um, I was earning around two thousand five hundred per month as at a tutor teacher. Old. Yeah, at seven years old. That's how wow. that's how I started. Yeah, so that was my first job. Um, I think um, it lasted for three to four years. I mean, uh, yeah, when I was in grade six, I think my my student was in grade four or grade five already. Yeah, so I was teaching I was teaching her Chinese. Yeah, and then later on, when when I reached high school. Um, to be able to also contribute to to my tuition fee and everything else, um, I started selling fruit shakes at the at the wet market of Caloocan City. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Caloocan City, but Fourth mm-hmm. Avenue is actually a very busy palengke. So um, every every weekend, I would um, I would go out from our house and then I will start selling fruit shakes to to basically everyone in the market. Yeah, so so that was my second job. Yeah, and then my third job basically um, was after my graduation. I started working with Del Sol University as a workshop facilitator. So I facilitate. Um, I facilitated a lot of Percef two and Percef three workshops. What what what's yeah. Percef? Sorry for those. Percef um, personal effectiveness. I see. Yeah. I see. So it's a so it's a minor subject that's required um, by the school by the university um, for everyone. So um, while I was uh, while I was um, 
while I was working for De La Salle University, um, I was also a banker of Deutsche Bank. So I was a business area controller. I started working for the Frankfurt team. And then later on, I was transferred to India. I mean, I was transferred to India to handle the global resiliency project of Deutsche Bank operations Phys in India. Physically or just via Physically. Via physically. physically. Yeah, oh, you physically. In, you lived in India. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I lived in India for like three months. Yeah. And then after my assignment, after my short-term assignment in Deutsche Bank operations India, I was transferred back to Manila to handle the Hong Kong business. Well, not just Hong Kong, but non-Japan Asia. So we call it NJA, non-Japan Asia. So the whole Asia except Japan. Yeah. Wow. So I got promoted. And then later on, I realized that I wanted to build a company on my own because I, I realized that I wanted to give back to the community by having a foundation named after my dad and my mom. And for me to be able to do it, I need to establish my own company to fund the foundation. So that's wow. the time I decided to resign from Deutsche Bank. And then during a random family dinner, we were, you know, Chinese people, when you got the menu, oh, it's so expensive. <laughs> so something like that. Yeah. So I remember my my sister was was telling us, like, mahal naman nito. Sa labas magkano lang, eh, sana tayo na lang nagluto. So because of that idea, I was I I actually asked them, Bakit di na lang tayo magtayo ng restaurant? Yeah. So that's when I started this friendly group of companies. I yeah, see. That's basically the first step. Yeah. I, I want to take a step back because I remember reading over here in, in one of your interviews that actually you're, one, of, one of the big challenges that you faced at the very start, which helped build your resiliency, was that your dream college was actually to go to La Salle, I guess, to pursue. I don't know if it's, it was engineering or, or, right. uh, or a, maybe a technical course, right? Yeah. But you didn't get into La Salle at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Surprisingly, um, I failed my first college entrance exam with De La Salle University. You're right. It was my dream school. I was so confident, but then I didn't make it. Yeah, it was a computer science subject, if oh, I remember science. correctly. Computer science subject, yeah. So um, I failed the entrance exam. And then um, that's also the time that I realized that I shouldn't be overconfident at times. I was, uh, I was so confident that I will be able to make it. Yeah, but surprisingly, I failed. So um, I studied first for two terms at the De La Salle College of St. Benilde. And then later on, on the second term, I started applying again in De La Salle University without letting anyone else know because I'm so afraid that I will disappoint them again. So um, I used my savings and then I applied again at the De La Salle University. And finally, and luckily, I passed the second entrance exam. So that's why I graduated from De La Salle University. And what was your course in La Salle? Oh, I decided to take up um, BS in mathematics with a specialization in business applications because after after spending two terms with De La Salle College of St. Benilde, I, I realized that I wanted a subject that's gener generic enough. I mean, a subject that I can I can go to anywhere, basically. I mean, if you are a BS math major, there are a lot of jobs options that you can choose from unlike mm -hmm. computer science most probably you you will end up being a computer engineer engineer or what yeah okay very interesting background i i, I love how, how how your sort of career path went it was you know entrepreneurial then you went corporate and back to entrepreneurial i'm just curious to find out um from your own entrepreneur work from from from, ver from being very young 
and and being a Chinese tutor to to selling fruit yeah. shakes. Um, and you know, eventually, you know, I guess when you got to college, you were even. I'm sure you're part timing as well when you were in college. Were you also doing some part time work in college, or were oh, you full time? Um, I was doing part-time works only during summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we have some family friends who are selling kitchenware at the Divisoria Market. Yeah, so every summer I will go there to gain um, 10,000 pesos per month. Yeah, so that's how we do it. Yeah, but during summer. Yeah. During summer. I, I like that, that there's a certain, you know, and, and oftentimes uh, I, that's, I give a lot of credit to my friends in the Phil Chai community because that's really where it comes from, that sort of hustle, diba. Right? But yeah. how did all these experiences, how did it inform you when you put up Fredly? What did you gain from all your experience prior to putting up Fredly? What did you learn from Deutsche Bank? What did you learn from, from school? And what did you learn from your other extracurricular, your, your other work when you were younger? How did it come into play? Uh, and how did, it, how, did, how did it help you as an entrepreneur putting up Fredly? Yeah. Um, I think my job experiences as a tutor teacher, as a as a seller of fruit shakes, taught me that hard work and perseverance are two important values at work. So those are the two things that um that I value the most at work. Yeah. And in terms of like Deutsche, to be honest, I learned a lot because I, I realized the importance of having a process, having a system. And that's also the reasons why I'm I'm very keen on creating processes, systems. I invest in um, systems at work because those are the things I learned from Deutsche Bank. So um, when you're in the banking industry, you need to do a lot of Excel works. So honestly, um, I developed my Excel skills during my time at Deutsche Bank and I was able to apply it at friendly group of companies and even share it, sharing it with, with, my, with my colleagues. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. So we, we've gotten the whole history up to the point when you put up Fredly. Now, you have a dinner with your sisters. You say, let's put up our own Japanese restaurant. Easier said than done. What was your next step after you okay. decided on putting up a Japanese restaurant? Um, I consider myself as a go-getter. So if I want something, I'll make it happen immediately. So right after that dinner, I was able, in fact, before that dinner, I was able to ask the server, sabi ko sa kanya, ate, nasan yung owner ng restaurant? And then the server pointed me to the son of the owner and I started talking to this Japanese guy. Yeah, so I started talking to him. I asked him if it's possible for him to sell me his menu, his recipe, because I wanted to open my very own Japanese restaurant somewhere else. So um, I actually took the very first step on the first day. And then later on, it was, I think, uh, a month of negotiations with this Japanese family. And then finally, we got the menu and then we opened our first Japanese restaurant. But of course, um, from, constructing the, from constructing the restaurant up to opening, opening it, operating it, it it's, a, it's a long story as well. Yeah, so that's how I made it happen. Okay, so tell me what happened. Tell me about when you first started operating the restaurant. What did, what did you learn from that one? What, what, what went on? Was it successful? Was it not successful? And how did it, how did it move you forward until you came up with uh, Macau Imperial Tea? Okay. Um, the construction process was very, very, very difficult for me. Yeah. Um, coming from, from the banking industry, I had no idea about PVC pipe. I had no idea about Hardiflex. I had no idea about PVC. I had no idea about anything. 
and there were there were really times I I felt so stupid because I had no idea what these engineers and architects were talking about during the meeting. But somehow I had to pretend na parang alam ko yung sinasabi nila because I was afraid na baka maloko ako or what. Yeah. So um, it was very difficult for me because we could not even afford hiring a consultant. So my only teacher um, during my first year of of stay in the food service industry was really just Google. So hindi ko alam yung PVC. Yeah, hindi ko alam yung PVC. Okay, I'll Google it. Yeah, hindi ko alam kung ano yung ano yung PVC pipe, Hardiflex. I'll Google it para malaman ko kung ano. It was very difficult, and um, it's also very difficult for me to to sign checks worth millions. Nang hindi mo alam if it's going to be successful or not. I think that's also a challenge. Yeah, so um, a lot happened. In fact, there were accidents involved during the construction. I had to talk to the government authorities. I mean, the business permits, all the papers are so difficult to to release. So we went through a lot. Yeah, and that was five months, four months, something like that. Wow. And finally, yeah, and finally we opened our doors um last no- November 30, 2014. That was a very special day for me because that was actually my first branch, my first venture, my first store opening. Yeah, so we opened our first branch in Fisher Mall. That's Sandaya Yakiniku. So we opened our first branch and luckily um, we were able to tap a lot of influencers, a lot of media partners. So the response was good. I mean, there were a lot of customers eating. There were a lot of customers um, coming back. To the point na super puno na ng restaurant and I was the dishwasher. I started as a dishwasher and then later on, I promoted myself to be the cashier of the restaurant and then later on, the manager of the restaurant. So, um, very difficult to the point na minumura pa ako ng ibang customers. Hindi mo maiwasan. I mean, in the service industry, when, when, when you fail to serve the customer something, nagagalit sila. So parang tinawag ako, nasa na manager nyo? And then I was the one who represented the restaurant, of course. So pinagalitan ako in front of everyone. Yeah, and of course, I mean, those are the lessons learned along the journey. So, yeah, so you were dishwasher and owner at the same time of the, of yeah, the restaurant? Yeah, when during the Mother's Day, I believe I was washing my, my dishes. And then sabi ng mom ko parang, ano ba yan? You don't have time for me during the Mother's Day. So I'll probably just visit you in the restaurant. And when they visited together with my sisters, they were nakita nila. I was I was actually doing the dishwashing works. Yeah, so nagulat sila. Yeah, and I I thought I will be able to accommodate them, but since sobrang puno ng restaurant, sabi ko ma, can we just reschedule our dinner together because I have to assist and put the customers first. And they were very understanding. So bumalik sila ng bahay, tapos parang nakauwi na ako 2 a.m. Yeah. So Wow, yeah. great learning for you. But yeah. then, how did you create such great traction at the very start? How did you get all these influencers? I I know that you have a back. You, you, you did a lot of the operational work. You set the whole restaurant up. But how did you manage, again, getting the word of mouth about the, uh, the Sandaya Yakiniko all around and get people to start uh, coming over? Yeah. Um, I was the restaurant manager when, when we first started our restaurant. And I was also the marketing manager. So at that time, of course, social media, I started um, going to different websites. I started learning from the from the other players by visiting their Facebook. How are they doing it? Nakita ko, oh, 
they invited people to eat and then they people will blog about it i'll do it as well so i will approach this blogger i will approach this influencer just to invite also these people to to eat yeah so it's more of like um i explored in a way na i go to different restaurants um to their websites to their social social media sites just to check what they are doing and then i will also do the same Yeah, because I have no idea about how to run a restaurant. So the best way to learn it is to actually check how the big players are doing it. Yeah, Great way to do it. So you're saying that from day one, Sendai was very successful already? Um, it took us a few months to to be successful. Yeah, so I won't say since day one successful na siya. Um, we, along the way, we realized that there is a, there was a need to... To come up with a marketing campaign, a promo. So that's also the time I introduced the Sandaya Eat and Drink All You Can for 488. I think during that time, yun yung yun yung medyo pick up yung buffet industry natin. So mm-hmm. we had to come up with something to also attract the the Eat and Drink All You Can crowd. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and I am the host of the Age of Tech podcast. Join me as I interview tech thought leaders, investors, and business founders across Asia to get the best insights on how they built their businesses from the ground up. Check out my new episodes every Wednesday at asiatechpodcast.com. All things Asia, all things tech. Importante ang mag-save, pero bakit marami ang walang ipon? The answer is because we don't spend enough time in learning practical financial strategies. This is Fitz Villafuerte, a registered financial planner, And I'm inviting you to listen to the 80% podcast. Kung saan tuturuan ko kayo kung paano yumaman. So join me and let's talk about personal finance on the 80% podcast. Hi, this is Roy Segalar from the research department at First Metric Securities and host of the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast featuring timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and economy in the hope of providing investing and trading guidance to Filipinos. New episodes every Tuesday, and as always, your future first. Was there a point when you were starting off some diet that you said, uh, you know, because as an entrepreneur, right, there's it's it's a roller coaster ride, as you know, right? Sometimes I'm so happy to be an entrepreneur. There's some days, oh my gosh, why am I doing this when I could be working yeah. somewhere else here right now? How was that for you? I'm sure there were times that you were happy, and there's sometimes you also wanted to give up what, what you were doing. Yeah. Um a lot of times I wanted to give up pag-uwi ko ng bahay parang 3 a.m. to a.m. I really wanted to quit. Yeah. Um I even cried inside my room para hindi makita ng mga sisters ko, ng ng mom ko. Um and then after that, I realized na wala eh, nandito na ako. I just have to do it. I mean, giving up has never been an option to me. So, um a lot of people trusted me. Um Fisher Mall trusted me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mall trusted me. The my siblings trusted me. They invested their their savings, their money. So I I have no choice but to do it, because if I'm going to quit, then I'm gonna disappoint my loved ones, and it's something I don't want to happen. And probably that's also the reason why I keep pushing forward. But at 2014, you were about 24 years old, right? Right, right. Wow. 24 so years old. What What really amazes me is at 24 years old, if I came up to the owner of the mall and said, "Hey, I want to put up a yakiniko restaurant," they may go go back home and go back home and and then yeah. uh, and, and then and, and get back to me when you're old enough and ready. How did you convince somebody at 24 years old to say, "Hey, I I can do it," 
and because I mean, not to be, I don't, not to offend you, but you know, you're not, you're not connected. You know, I mean, you don't, right. you know, you're not. Uh, they mm-hmm. might think that you don't have the financial resources. How are you able to convince them to say yes? I can do this one. I think it's really about perseverance. So brangkulit ko to be honest. Um, I started applying. My 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 plan initially was to open in another mall in the mm-hmm. in the biggest mall in the Philippines. Yeah, but I got rejected after two months of application. Yeah, that's this so, is, I guess um, this is SM, right? One of the SMs. Right, right, right. Yeah. So another, um, another started... your good friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So so I I started applying. Um, with SM, want, uh, I wanted to have my very first branch with SM, but unfortunately, it was rejected. Yeah, mm-hmm. after after I think two months of negotiation, so they did not award me any space. So um, one day when I was going home, nakita ko biglang may bagong mall na tinatayo along Quezon Avenue. So sabi ko, why don't I give this a try? So that's also the time I I visited Facebook and then I tried to look for the leasing leasing email address and then I sent them an email. Um, they rejected my proposal at first because they thought uh, they 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 told me that um they have so much Japanese concepts already in the mall, so they can no longer accommodate me. So what I did is pinuntahan ko na lang sila. So um sabi ko please, this is my first business. It's very important to me. If you don't have other spaces, you can just put me anywhere na gusto mo. <laughs> yeah. So that's also the reason why Sandaya was is located at the third level of Fisher Mall. Because at that time, all the spaces are occupied by other Japanese restaurant, so I had no choice but to, but to accept that. Yeah, at a at a quite high rate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so was, super super big, Yeah. That was a big gamble. I mean, uh, for anybody. I mean, th- this is not something that's easy to do. Because as I contemplate things right now, sometimes I think that because if I had less information like you and more just more gut or grit. I would have put up more things now, but because there's so many people telling me right now, you know what, this might not work or, or this might not be the appropriate. I didn't push through with a lot of different things. So that's one lesson that, 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 that I think I'm seeing from you is that sometimes you just have to, you know, not listen to too many people and just do what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. It's incredible. Now, so moving on from Sandaya. So you were able to establish Sandaya Yakiniko. What was next? Why, why, why did you move on from there? Okay, so um, after opening Sandaya Yakiniku, we were invited by a Singaporean agency to bid for the franchise rights of Nabe Japanese Isakaya. Yeah, so um, at that time, we were not sure if um, Shabu Shabu would work in the Philippines because, you know, not a lot of people enjoy Shabu Shabu. So um, my sisters and I visited Japan to give it a try. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there were there were a few companies who were bidding for the franchise rights, and the principal um, decided to award the franchise rights to the friendly group of companies because, um, according to him, it's being headed by a young guy, so there must be a lot of potential for for this company and for the brand. Yeah, and for Macau oh. Imperial Tea, yeah, for Macau Imperial Tea, it was actually I was. I actually found the brand when I was traveling in Macau. And then um, I saw a milk tea shop. Wala masyadong tao. And then I, I bought my cream cheese Oreo. And sobrang sarap. So sabi ko, can I, can I talk to the owner? Yeah, so um, I got the WeChat details of the, of the owner. And I was able to ask him to sell me the brand and to allow me to bring the brand to the Philippines. 
Wow. Yeah, it so. must have been also very, very good for him that you could speak fluent uh, Mandarin and then right, converse with him right. as well. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that your your Chinese is uh, business level correspondence, ba? Would you say? Yeah. Uh, um. We're very. Mom is very strict at home. We can only speak Chinese. Yeah. English and Tagalog are not allowed. So that's also the reason why I'm quite fluent in both Mandarin and Fukien. I I see I see. Yeah. So you were able. So I mean, you were able to establish a very strong rapport at once. You said, "I'm I'm yeah. I, I, I'm Chinese living in the Philippines. I like yes, this, I like this brand. Yes. Okay. So yeah. you opened up. The thing is, you 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 got Macau Imperial Tea, and there weren't many people in Macau Imperial Tea in Taiwan. What made you think you know that you could bring it back here? Because if I'm looking back at about at that time, 2015, 16, there were a few milk tea brands, but they weren't so. I mean. There were some established ones, people like you, who traveled. They said, oh, it's a great idea. Let me put it up. So they were just copying, basically, concepts which they saw abroad. What made you think that it would become successful if you brought it over here? And why get one from there when you could have just, let's say, uh, just copied the milk tea concept? Okay. Um, at that time, I have only limited capital. So in order for me to get a recipe from somewhere... I have to invest in smaller brands. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I couldn't afford franchising a big brand from from ab- abroad. I mean, at that time, there were a lot of big brands, pero hindi kaya ng budget ko. So, mm-hmm. um, I I do not have any culinary background. So, to tell you honestly, I am not capable of doing all this R and D. So, what my strategy is always get a smaller brand at the lower cost. And bring it here in the Philippines. Do some marketing works. Align the taste with the taste buds of the Filipinos and make it work. Okay. So, so at that time, um, I got Macau Imperial Tea at a quite affordable rate because it's not famous in China. It's not famous anywhere. Yeah. So, Tapiko, can you just sell me the recipe? I wanted to be the master franchise, but I wanted this uh, one-time deal. So I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to have this royalty fee whatever on a yearly basis. I just wanted to buy your brand for the whole Philippines. And so it's like, it like a small local brand in Taiwan. Am I right? In, at the time, at the time that you found it. Yeah. Um. Oh. In Taiwan. In in Macau. Taiwan. In, yeah. In Macau. You wait. Sorry. You found this in Taiwan or Macau? I'm so sorry. In you Macau. In Macau. In Macau. In Macau. Okay. Yeah. Yes, in okay. Macau. Yeah. So um, the owner agreed. Yeah, so we opened our first branch doing the same style, inviting people to 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 feature us. And luckily, nag-work siya. I mean, um, I, I would say I understand the market well. So we were able to we were able to adjust the taste of Macau Imperial Tea from Macau to the Philippines para magustuhan ng mga Filipinos. And then um, that's also when we started venturing into the franchise business model. I want to ask a question. If you step, uh, step back, you you understand that there's a lot of different things with regard to the Filipino taste of of you know yeah. of teas. What did you do different? Because usually it's just the sugar level that you increase because you know that yeah. the Filipino yeah, likes sugar very much. So what was that main change that you have to make between to make it more palatable or more more acceptable to the Filipino palate? Okay. Um, there are three things. Um, first, I think you mentioned um, sweetness. Yeah, so we love we have a sweet sweet tooth. We love anything uh, sweet. Second one would be um the Instagram being Instagrammable. So if you notice for Macau Imperial Tea, we've been introducing a lot of tumblers. We've been introducing a lot of different cups because we wanted to make sure that we come up with something new for the market from time to time. So every quarter we've been innovating. 
yeah so just like just like last quarter we 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 were able to introduce the yakult series so it's a yakult mm -hmm. tumbler but in very very big size ang laman ng yogurt yeah so we have the happy bear tumbler that we always give out during opening and we have the for you and for me tumbler for for the for couples yeah so that's also another thing and another one would be um the flavors so we wanted to make sure that macau imperial tea is a milk tea shop that you can visit every day so mm -hmm. we introduce you a lot of flavors for example if we talk about the cheesecake series we actually have cheesecake cocoa we have cheesecake oreo we have cheesecake milk tea we have cheesecake matcha so we wanted to make sure that when you come here in macau imperial tea monday you can have matcha tuesday you can have cocoa there's always something that you can try hindi ka magsasawa so those are the things that we we look into and there was no need for you anymore to go back to your to the franchise owner and and get approval for all your different uh variants anymore yeah there is no need for us to do that yeah because we were able to get the deal um for for a lifetime a fantastic way to work it out yeah. from the very start for macau yeah. now um when you put it up another question i hope you don't mind before we go into the franchising story is that you know what mm. uh you know right now the current situation is that milk tea seems to be every that that's that's for me like what we call the next lecture manok it was everybody's putting up their own small milk tea stands all over the place uh it yeah. exploded literally and not just here in the philippines it's now something that's trending I guess in many Asian countries, um, but what is the staying power, particularly of Macau Imperial Tea? You didn't, you didn't have, a, you didn't have a first mover advantage, and there are other smaller players coming into the market here right now, and even larger players coming in here, do, still doing milk tea. Uh, but despite that, you're probably the largest here in the country. What makes you guys different? Okay, um, I think I have to go back to my answer earlier about innovation. Yeah, okay. so um, what's so good about Macau Imperial Tea is that there's always something new for everyone. Okay. So um, we see to it that every quarter we introduce a new series for the customers or we introduce a new product or a new merchandise for the customers. So that's something that um, people or Macau Imperial Tea fans or milk tea fans in general are, are always excited about. Yeah, so that's one. Um, another thing is we try to brand Macau Imperial Tea as a cafe. So if you would notice, all of our branches are usually bigger than the other competitors because mm -hmm. I, we wanted you to not just grab and go, but to actually spend time talking to your friends, to actually have your reunion celebrations with us. So that's also the reason why Macau Imperial Tea in general is quite big because we provide you that venue to to gather and to spend time together yeah so those are the two things that um we always work on i see and i i know i'm jumping ahead of myself but in this pandemic how did you make sure that macau imperial tea would continue to stand out if the venue was not available you, you, and of course at the same time a lot of the, the the food supply or the food chain was disrupted so it might have been it might have been difficult to keep on supplying your different variants so what kept you guys alive and kept you uh, on strat during the pandemic um we're actually very lucky because even before the pandemic the following of macau imperial tea is already very strong yeah so even if um we do not have dine-in option i mean mm -hmm. the fans are really uh, the fans are really craving for macau imperial tea and to to make sure that we remind them about macau imperial tea 
we were able to launch a lot of discounts, a lot of promotions. In fact, recently we have this bundle of two and bundle of four. So instead of you enjoying your milk tea, we decided to come up with party size. We decided to have this one liter milk tea, um, a free upgrade that we give to mm, that okay. we give to customers every Monday. Yeah. So we try to create a lot of noises just to make sure that um, customers are always looking forward to having their Macau Imperial tea. And it's sort of like it also addresses the idea that okay, you can't get together uh, in our venue. But our party tray is the equivalent yeah. of you getting together yes. uh, at the same time. Yeah, right, right. But a great stuff. Over here, we've got Nippon Nippon saying, what, how inspiring you are. Thank you so much here in the comment oh, section. Oh, thank you. Also, you've also got uh, Sureni Galangan Sakandal saying, thanks so much for sharing uh, all your insight. Uh, they're, they're very inspired by your story over here. Thanks so much. Now, Avin, uh, we've gone through all that one. And, and what's truly incredible about what you're doing is that, you know, you, you expanded to uh, 170 branches in in, uh, in three years, and you're saying what what truly fueled the growth was franchising. Now, many people have done franchising uh, well and not well, but you saw that as a formula to start growing very quickly. Uh, the for me, the only other person I've seen who's been able to grow as effectively as you using franchising as a tool is is my is my co-founder of. Uh, uh, of Entropy H and my partner in Mercato is Joe Mag of Potato Corner. And he's yeah. effectively used uh, franchising as a tool to grow business. Mm. How did you do it differently? Because, you know, there are people who've been doing it in the past and, and they, they seek advisors and they, you know, they, they do it and they can't grow it as fast. But you, you seem to have you've gotten it the first time around. Tell me a bit more about how you grew your business using franchising. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of franchising, we make sure that we work with aspiring entrepreneurs um as uh, as much as possible we do not award the franchise rights to um big big bigger companies or big companies because we wanted to make sure that they will love our brand the same way we are loving our brand so we wanted to make sure that these people have time and will really invest efforts to take good care of macau imperial tea so that's one of the um that's one of the important things that we always look at yeah. Um, number two is um, we're quite concerned with the profitability of the franchises. So it's a it's a two way street. We we usually we monitor their sales performance, and if they are not doing as good as what we all expected, we usually come up with promotions to help them, and we usually launch promotions to also assist the branch. So that's also that's also another thing. Yeah, and of course we protect them by making sure that um, only only um we 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 protect them by making sure that branches are far from each other but of mm -hmm. course there are also branches you will also see cities with a lot of macau imperialty because um based on our research the market is actually big and promising and we believe that there can be more than two macau imperialty in that city yeah or in, so, one, in, in um, one mall can you have more than one in one mall? Uh, no no <laughs> um in one mall never but um i mean in in one city usually we have three to four macau imperialty branches yeah, so the franchise support. Yeah, so um, we're actually very happy that um, right now, a lot of franchises have opened more than five branches, 10 branches. Yeah, they have opened a lot. Um, and we're happy because they've been growing with the business. So you yeah. have owners of multiple franchises, a lot of them, which yeah. is a testament that's a, that's, to... That's what we, we are doing. Um, we decided to limit the franchise rights to new joiners and to focus on the existing ones. 
So if there are new franchise outlets or if there are new spaces, we usually consider the existing franchises who supported us since day one rather than opening the opportunity to outsiders. Okay. Yeah. Out of the 170 branches, what percent are, are company-owned and what percent are franchise-owned? Okay. Um, around 85% are franchise, 15% company-owned. Okay. So from the very start, that was your strategy, right, to start developing? Or how did you come up with that strategy? Let's say, okay, I opened up my Macau Imperial Tea. Uh, did you have to wait second or third branch before you started franchising? Or did you start franchising even from the very start? Okay. I started franchising a day before the opening of my first store. Yeah. So that was actually very, very early. So we opened our first branch June 12, 2017. But I got the first franchisee June 11, 2017. So a day before we opened our first branch, um, the franchisee applied. And then I invited him to to visit our branch. And then I briefed him and everything. I was the franchise relations manager back then. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was the franchise relations manager. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so luckily, luckily, um, he said yes. He believed in our ideas. He believed in our concept. So we were able to close the first franchise deal a day before the opening of our first store. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever have to consult with any outside parties to do your franchising agreements? Or was that something that you just researched on and created your own franchising uh, manual? Yeah. And contracts? Um, right now to talk about it. But to be totally honest with you, the first franchise agreement was drafted by, by me. I mean, I was the one who do it, like copy and paste ako from, I mean, a few statements from, from the website and then try to try to deliver it another way. And then we were able to come up with a franchise agreement on our own. Yeah. And right now, I think some of the, some parts of the franchise agreement galing pa sa three years ago. Yeah. Ah, talaga. Yeah. Wow. And how did you exponentially grow it? So that was all franchising. It's amazing. I mean, 170 brands out of three years, that, that's no joke. I mean, other people are trying to franchise their businesses, businesses as well, but not to that, to that type of success that you've gained in three years. Yeah. What made yours different from other people who were trying to franchise and grow their own milk tea business or, or restaurant business or whatever yeah. food-related businesses which they had? Um, apart from the franchise support that we extend to all the franchisees, I think one of the reasons would be marketing. Yeah, um, if you would notice sa Instagram, I always post about our opening. If you would notice, every opening ng bawat store, you will see a very, very long line for the Happy Bear Tumblr, for the buy one, get one. So every time we do it, actually, I'm doing B2B and I'm also doing B2C because um, whenever there's a long line, we will attract new franchises or we will attract new franchise applicants to be interested about Macau Imperialty. And from a B2C point of view, we will also attract new customers to try out Macau Imperialty because, wow, ang haba ng pila. There must be something good with this brand. We wanted you to try it. Yeah, so um, through marketing, we were able to attract customers and investors or the franchise applicants. Amazing. Uh, I've been mean, content commercial lang, di ba? We just opened up yeah. the Mercato High Street the other yes. uh, last Friday. It's our yeah. first uh, safe, socially distant, uh, socially distant outdoor venue uh, there yeah. in Bonifacio High Street, in the amphitheater. Uh, Macau Imperial Tea is there right now, doing very well, from what I understand, yeah. and from what you understand as well. 
Yes, Maybe you can yes. put some happy bear tumblers there as well to bring in more people to uh to yeah. the area. So yeah. that's my coaching box. That's my little yeah. <laughs> we can talk about it after this. Yeah. Yes, per- perfect. Uh thanks so much. And now ha- having said se- having said that, no, uh you, you were able to, to really grow it behind a lot of uh, a lot of the uh because of the, the marketing that you've done. It's amazing. You you've, you've evolved from being dishwasher to operator. Uh, to becoming a marketing guy, which is really what you are right now. You're you're a marketing guy. Yeah. Um, but what would you what would you, in your own estimation, be your business? What is your biggest business achievement? Do you think from all these things that you've been doing? It might not be not necessarily in terms of numbers, but maybe something that you feel. What do you feel was your biggest achievement? Um, I think it was the time when um Mr. Injapsia awarded to me the 2018 Injapsia Outstanding Young Entrepreneur. Um, the award is more than just for myself, but it's also a recognition for for friendly group of companies. And um, at that point, I I believe that um, the company that I established a few years back have started making um, noises in the in have making has have started making an impact to the to the food service industry. Yeah. yeah. And I can see because if if I if I you know I've also read up in Jap's background I've interviewed in Jap at the same time. You also oh, have very okay. similar. You, you have very similar. I mean the same story for resilience and, and of entrepreneurial hustle. Uh, you both possess it and being you know coming in at the right time, knowing what to do. I mean in Jap started Ali Rice. I mean basically that was him. Yeah. He did Ali Rice. He was the first person to turn um chicken barbecue into something that right. becomes fast food. I mean yeah. and, and basically you've done the same thing. Uh, when it comes to Macau Imperial Tea, you, 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 I mean, with Sandaya up to Macau Imperial Tea, does something pretty amazing, um, over there as well. Now, having, having said all that, what, no? What was your biggest failure, Naman? I wonder what you think, Naman, uh, in retrospect, what's your biggest failure when it came to business and what did you learn from it? Um, biggest failure, actually, not, not really from business, but, but really the, the failed entrance exam of De La Salle University, because, um, it was a good reminder, um, for me not to be overconfident and lagi ko rin siyang naaalala even at work to make sure that whenever you make decisions, you shouldn't be overconfident. And it's also very important for you to have plan B and plan C because the plan A that you wanted might not work out as planned. Yeah, so I think that's a very important and um, insightful experience to me. Yeah, while while running friendly group of companies. Exactly. Now, uh, this is a good question coming from a member uh, of the audience, people listening here right now, from Sophie Limbs, and I think this is a great question. You're running such a big company. Uh, you're 30 years old, uh, 170, so you got about 85% franchises, more than 150 plus franchises, and you're running other restaurants. What drives you to do more and how do you prevent burning out at the same time? Because, I mean, you're 30. You've got a lot ahead of you. You can open up a lot more branches, I'm sure, and a lot more restaurant concepts, which you're doing right now. Uh, how mm. do you do it, and what prevents you from burning out? Okay. What drives me to do more? Um, I think it's my vision. Yeah. Um, the next big thing for Fredly Group of Companies is, of course, number one, we wanted to acquire more brands from abroad. That's also one of the reasons why we are bringing in Mason Kitsuni and Kafi Kitsuni from Paris next year. Um, another thing is we wanted to do IPO. We wanted wow. to go public. Yeah, we wanted to go public in the next three to five years. That's something I've been working working on for the for the past year. Yeah. So we wanted to do IPO. So it it motivates me to to 
do better every day. And another thing is, um, like I mentioned earlier, we wanted to give back to the community. So um, I still have a lot of works to do to finally make the Fredly Foundation a reality. Yeah, so um, the Fredly Foundation is going to grant scholarship to the less fortunate. So um, hopefully we can make it happen by next year. Yeah. Wow. How do I prevent burnout? Um, I'm not sure if number burn. <laughs> I think number burnout na ako. Yeah. So, but but to prevent it, um, I think it's good to always talk to a few good friends. Yeah. Apart from working out, hindi na ako nakakapag workout. But um, know your hobbies. Siguro focus on your hobbies. Whatever your hobbies are, pwedeng listening to the music, playing whatever. Yeah. It's good to spend a few hours or some time within the week to do whatever you love doing. Yeah, I mean work I love I love working, but of course, um balancing work and non-work is also very important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love working too, as you can see as we've been you know, know. people don't know. <laughs> Me and even Avin actually had one of our longest conversations was, was like from twelve midnight up to one AM yeah. and we were on the phone. You know? and, yeah. and we were both like, we were both excited to talk about work. <laughs> I mean that's that's how yeah. it's like to talk to a fellow entrepreneur. Um a good question from Cassie. I think it's on everybody's mind here right now. Um, are you still accepting new franchisees for Macau Imperial Tea? And if, if they don't mind asking, how much is the franchise fee for a Macau Imperial Tea right now? Okay. Um, the franchise fee for Macau Imperial Tea right now is $2 million. Yeah. Um, we started doing franchising at 350000 yeah, so it's a big jump. We we based, um, we calculated the increase based on, of course, market shares, market value, the brand equity, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, we're still accepting or not. Honestly, I would prefer having existing franchises to run the new branches. But if there are really um, stubborn, stubborn applicants who really wanted to have... Just like you, as stubborn as you. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would love to consider. Yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah, so, so Cassie, if you are if you are stubborn enough, you just might get your uh, franchise uh, <laughs> franchise from uh, from Avin over there. Yeah. And I guess you like to find people who are just as um, I guess as masipag as you, or just as resilient yeah. as you as as, yeah. as as you said. No. Now, Avin, I, you've you've done a lot of achievements here so far, and as for such a young age, you've done so much. Um, I guess you know you've talked about what's next for you. What are your, like, if you're going to leave some key takeaways for people, what are your best success hacks or success secrets that you you want to share with people, key takeaways that they can learn from you so hopefully they, they can also emulate what you've done? I know that I know that you've talked about, you know, having a sign outside of your office saying no drama zone when you talk to people. Yeah. That's one yeah. way of doing things. What are your other success secrets or success hacks? Yeah. Um, I always tell people that there is no such thing as perfect timing. Because uh, I've noticed people around me, they would love to do this. They would love to do that. They wanted to have this. They wanted to have that. But um, they are not aggressive enough in making all those things happen. So I would probably say um, you should act now because there's no perfect timing. I mean, as they say, um, the future is now. So if you wanted a brighter future, if you wanted to be successful, it's very important that you start working on it right here right now yeah so um for as long as you're still young um feel free to take risk i mean sabi nga nila the higher the risk the higher the return so for as long as you're still fighting i think that's the most important thing wow 
Really well said. And with that, thank you so much for joining us over here, Avin. So many people are, are commenting right now and, and they're so inspired by what you've shared here right thank now. Thank you, thank you. And hopefully uh, we we wish you well. I, I will remember you the next time I come that, that they remember you the next time you come to Macau Imperial Tea. And uh, it's, it's fantastic what you've done during this pivot. And I think what really inspires me is that what, what motivates you is not the business per se, it's not the from what I'm picking up, it's not really the money that you make, but the but the ability to you know to to eventually give back through the Friendly yeah. Foundation, which is key for yes. you as well. And you know yeah. what? And you know, getting if you're uh, going for your first IPO, man, I, I'm behind you there all the way. Uh, one Thank last you, very RJ. important question: Do you work with family, or are you are you is there any family involved in in Friendly Management Team, or is that is that all you? Oh, um, they started getting involved two years ago. Yeah, when when they when they felt like there is a need to support me, I say arrow arrow na lang akong stressed. Yeah, so that's that's um the reason why they offered help. Yeah, but they are also busy with their own businesses. Yeah, so they are my they, um two of my sisters are my directors, um the supply chain director and the finance director. Are those day to day jobs or uh, or uh, are those day to day jobs or are those uh, consultative jobs? Um, day to day job. Yeah, wow. so um, I think I was able to influence them by creating systems in their other businesses. So that's why they can now leave their businesses and help me and support me in friendly group of companies. Well, so your actions are working for you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 lastly, I I I just this just occurred to me as well. You actually also finished your your MBA at Ateneo. Right. How are you able to balance that off by by doing this at the same time? That must have been quite a challenge. Yeah. Um. I I took up MBA I think 2016 yeah when Macau Imperialty is not even here in the Philippines yeah so um later on I I applied in the student exchange program and I studied in Hungary Budapest yeah it was wow. very challenging because at that time I have to work um online so even before the pandemic uso na sa akin work online so I was working online while I was a student in Budapest and Hindi na ako natutulog because I have to be a student and then at night I have to handle my team. I have to speak to my team. I have to align a lot of things. It was very difficult. Yeah. So um, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, being an entrepreneur requires a lot of um, hard work and perseverance. So there were really times na sobrang stress out, hindi na nakakatulog, but we just have to do it. Yeah, so balancing, um, I won't say nababalance ko, hindi talaga, because um, it's very difficult, but then um, you just have to strive harder, you just have to make things happen while you were away from work. Um, and this, this degree from Budapest, was it done online or did you have to live there? No, I live there. That's all. You live in Budapest. That, yeah, you live yeah, there. yeah. That's why Mahira for me to handle work because I have to be a student in the morning in Budapest, basically, oh. and then at night I have to handle my team online. So, online. So what, what were you? Yeah, what, online. What, what, what tools were you using at the time to 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 talk with your people? At that time, I think we were using Viber. Yeah, I mean you can do video call on Viber, oh, okay. right? Wow. Yeah, so we were using Viber. Um, we were also using WeChat. Yeah, yeah, very Chinese of me. I use WeChat, so we were also using WeChat to to do some conference calls. I required everyone to have WeChat just to make sure I'm aligned and I'm updated of what's happening here in the Philippines. Yeah. And how long were you there in Budapest? Um, two and a half months. Ah, uh, two and a half months. Okay, not yeah. not too lo- not too long, not too long. Yeah, not too uh, long. 
But as an entrepreneur, that's even that can be an, inter- an eternity for an entrepreneur yeah. to be away from his business for two yeah. and a half months. Was the right. whole MBA experience worth it for you? Were you able? To, I mean, some people they say you know, MBA is good, maybe for the quote unquote for the name, but really for practicality, it, it isn't quite there. But was the MBA really worth it for you? And were you able to apply it uh, when you start when you grew Macau Imperialty? Okay, that's a very good question, RJ. And I have to be careful because I'm the brand ambassador of Avenir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's very helpful in general, I would say, um, because you were able to grow your connections, your networks. That's one of the, I think that's one of the key takeaways of um, MBA. Say. I mean, the connections, the networks right. and everything. And um, Siguro, not, not the technical side. Um, I would say the discipline. I mean the time management, um, the the discipline of kahit ayomo na you have to do it, diba? So right. parang yeah, balancing everything. So you will learn a lot, naman, from applying all applying all the theories inside the classroom um, to your workplace. I think those are the things na very worth highlighting for for MBA journey for the MBA journey. Yeah, I understand. And with that. Uh, what's the last message you'd like to le- to leave to all the aspiring entrepreneurs who do who want to be who want to emulate your example, who want to follow the good work that you've done? Yeah, um, very simple. Um, I would probably tell everyone to always take risk, do the hard work, and make sure that um, you're crazy enough um, to make your dreams, your goals a reality sooner or later. Yeah, so just do the hard work. That's very important. Thanks for being crazy enough to bring this dream, your dreams Thank to life and inspiring all of us, Avin. Thanks so much. And that ends another episode of the RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, we will see you again next week. Next week, we interview our good friends from Lasada here on our show. Again, thanks so much. This is RJ Ledesma. And I will see you again next week. Enjoy, guys. Take care. Thank Stay you, guys. Safe. Thank you, RJ. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.